Another week at PNC Professional Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Elio Canella, alongside the man that's always piercing barriers, Ben Pierce. Ben, how are you? I'm good, man. How, how's it going? I'm doing great. You so sure how, about that? This is day uh, 34 for me in the quarantine. Well, what is this for you, day 36? Well, see, well, see, I kind of have like a lot of things that keep me busy. I got like movies. I've got my me. I've got Spotify. I got my movie scrapbook. I got my electric guitar. Yeah, so that, that's what I'm doing. See, I, I'm, I'm living on Spotify and YouTube and uh, video game walkthroughs on Twitch because um, I, I can't play a lot of, a lot of video games because of the, of the complex controllers and, and or the complex controls um, because I have, uh, I have a lot of issues with my right hand. Mm-hmm. Related to the um, disability, so to get the to get the uh, experience of the game, I watch walkthroughs on Twitch or YouTube. So okay. that's what I've been doing. So uh, and a lot of um, a lot of different wrestling podcasts, and I'll tell you what, just just following the the news related to um, related to all these uh, releases, which we will get into in full. Uh, as a result of this uh, CV outbreak, is it's it's just it, it's extremely sad and it's extremely interesting to see how uh, WWE is handling this flash. Uh, if they're going to be able to bounce back from this, because as it stands right now, um, they are not making themselves look very um, rosy in the public picture of things. So. I don't know what WWE is gonna look like once all this stuff is over with. It's gonna it's gonna look like it's gonna look weird on Monday nights and on Fridays. Um. Well, yeah. And for, now, now, you have to t- you have to take what I'm about to say with with a grain of salt because, in all fairness, nobody really knows how long this is gonna last. But I, I mean, I heard estimations ranging all the way from. One more month to to a, a year. So it's like, in other words, people have no freaking clue, and it's because of that. I just wish people would close their mouths until we knew more concrete information. I I, I don't think it's gonna be a year. That's ridiculous. You can't lock the world down for an entire year. That's just weird. Well, and, and, and you know, in, in all um, in all honesty, I I think at least where I am, if it goes another three weeks to a month, we're gonna have we're gonna have riots because um, you know this is just this is just not going going well because um, you know where I am in in, in Maryland there um, um, there's not a lot of cases, but yet the the, like the counties around around me, they have uh, quite a few, and um, 
and yet people still aren't listening to the uh, to the lockdown or stay-at-home orders. So it's like, if this doesn't end soon, there's going to be a lot of um, there's going to be a lot of issues on top of the issues that already already exist. So it's it's not a good story out of the way around. And I mean, you already, uh, already saw that what I, that thing I, that picture I showed you off air last week. I haven't even been able to talk to that person at all. Like we can do video, but they need my password to get into their iPad for some reason, and um, I can't even get them the password because there's no way they they had their phone is uh, has been turned off. Oh yeah, so um, yeah, so it's just there's a lot of there's a lot of trickle down effect to what's going on right now, and um, you know as we'll get into on on the show, you know WWE and professional wrestling in general obviously is not immune to this, um, but you know WWE being the uh, proverbial uh, biggest dog in the yard, pardon the pun. Um, it's it's gonna hit them a lot harder than than some other places. I have a question. Yeah. Why does Vince think he's like above everything? Um. <laughs> well, see, see that, and that's part of what I want to get into because I wanna I wanna address that fairly because there are certain there are certain arguments to be made um, in in favor of what Vince is doing. And, and they are legitimate, like him or not. Um, and then, and then there are legitimate arguments on the other side of things. Because in my book, um, you know, there, there's real, there's really two sides to this coronavirus thing in terms of impact, right? So there's there's economic and business impact, which 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 is what we're seeing in terms of how WWE is handling matters. And then there's the personal and human impact, uh, which we're seeing all over the world. And, you know, and certainly within WWE with some of the reaction videos that have been posted um, since all these releases came down on what is becoming known as Black Wednesday. in terms of it being uh, considered the worst day uh, in WWE history, I think that's a that, that that's a little bit rich um, because you know we've I mean we've had deaths and different tragedies happen, so I think that's a little bit rich. Um, but in terms of the panic and um, you know just the human cost of this whole. Um, pandemic and who knows how long it's going to last uh, you know there's there's a lot of different layers to be unfolded and um, you know we will certainly do our best to uh, peel the layers of the onion back in a, in a fair and you know unbiased um, fashion right here on the podcast this evening so in, in addition to uh, to discussing all of the aspects surrounding what what has been uh, one of the most hectic weeks in recent memory in professional wrestling. Um, we will also be uh, taking a look back at uh, R- WrestleMania 21 and the Money in the Bank ladder match, and, uh, specifically because that that one was 
the first one in history. And uh, despite what's going on right now, uh, WWE has made the decision to uh, carry on with um, with uh, the Money in the Bank pay per view, which is. I, I, I can already see, like, I can already hear people saying, oh, this is a terrible idea. It's going to be stupid. It's going to be a terrible show. I'm going to be the other way. I'm going to say I'm kind of looking forward to this because I want to see how they work this out. Well, and see, and see, I I already kind of looked, and uh, I have an I I have an idea of um, what they're gonna do based on the explanation that was given during SmackDown last night. So we will definitely uh, we will definitely get into that during the uh, SmackDown review portion of the show. All right, so um. Yeah, that uh, should be interesting. But like my co-host said, uh, we will get into that in the SmackDown portion of uh, the show. So Ben, will you see me into some Monday Night Raw? Absolutely. All right. That's my uh, segment of the show. So let me um, let me pull that up. I uh, I have all sorts of tabs here. Right? While I was waiting for you to uh, to get on Zoom this evening, is this for real? Uh, is is what uh, for real? Well, okay, I didn't uh, see all of Raw, but when I'm looking at, there was nine matches on Monday night. Um, well, let's see. Let's, let's count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yep, nine matches. Jeez. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, and it certainly didn't feel like that because, you know, I, 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 give, I, I give them a little bit of credit. I'm going to try, I'm going to try to be as fair as possible um, on tonight's podcast because there's, there's a lot of uh, news to break down in addition to uh, all the different um, show uh, reviews uh, as we'll go over. But, um, but yeah, there were, there were a lot of matches uh, for, for better or worse, as as you'll see as we we get further down into these reviews. So uh, to to begin, um, once again, Raw took place from the WWE Performance Center, which is going which is going to be um, the the norm for the for the next uh, at, at least six months, from what I'm hearing, because. Um, the the company has once again uh, changed their mind, um, in in regards to um, the taped versus live argument. Um, origi- originally, originally, uh, 
originally Vince had handed down the decree that um, that the show needed to be live for the first time because he was um, he was afraid of being in breach of contract with uh, with NBC Universal and um, USA Network because according to those contracts. They are only allowed to have uh, three tape shows a year. Um, I believe it's the um, the Christmas show, the Christmas week shows, and the European tour. Why would they be in breach of contract if uh, this is something that uh, beyond anyone's control? Well, see, and, but but that that would be that would be a very logical question to ask, and I certainly wondered that myself. Um, but Vince, being the Vince, being the businessman that he is, I'm not exactly surprised. Um, but um, before we get too deep into that rabbit hole, let's uh, let's press forward with our royal review. So to begin, we had. Uh, women's Money in the Bank qualifying match, which was a heavy theme of the evening, because they had uh, they had three qualifying matches uh, for the women uh, on Raw, and then uh, next week they're going to move to uh, the um, the men's side of things, and I believe that they have booked three qualifying matches for them as well. So. Um, but um, Asuka ended up defeating Ruby Riot in 13 minutes uh, via submission to uh, lock down the first spot in the Money of the Bank match. Um, the, the second match we had was Aleister Black uh, defeating Oni Lorcan in 9 minutes and 35. I have a question. We think of Oni Lorcan. I actually, uh, from an in-ring perspective, I think he's really, really good. Um, they're going to have to do a little bit more um, with his character to get me invested, but at this point, I'm so impressed with his in-ring work, and I've been such a such a fan of his on NXT that I actually have no problem uh, with him at this point in time. Okay. And... Um, and, but because of the fact that he uh, comes from NXT and just knowing um, WWE's track record with NXT, uh, NXT starts usage on the main roster, I was really surprised uh, that this match went 9 minutes and 35 seconds. Um, and I, quite frankly, I, I found the match very entertaining. Um, and then we had... Uh, the second uh, women's Money in the Bank qualifying match was Shayna Baszler defeating Sarah Logan in one minute after the referee stopped the match because um, because uh, Shayna Baszler decided to uh, kick um, Sarah Logan in the arm, and apparently they are they are playing it off. In, storyline as as Sarah Logan having a bro- broken arm but come to, come to find out we're not going to get any sort of payoff 
uh, as to that storyline that they started with on Monday because one of one of the many releases that WWE announced on uh, Wednesday was that Sarah Logan uh, had been let go from her contract. So I don't think I don't think that there's going to be any follow up with that other than the fact that Shayna Baszler was a pissed off ass kicker. Uh, ne- next up, we had Austin Theory defeating Akira Tozawa in 7 minutes and 10 seconds. I'm actually really surprised uh, Tozawa wasn't listed as one of the uh, releases. Hold on. And, uh, after, 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 um, because uh, I saw this on uh, my Facebook um, the day after about uh, a comment that Jared Orr made. Yeah, I was uh, um, I was just about to get into that. Um, apparently, uh, apparently Jerry Lawler uh, just doesn't give a shit anymore because he he called um, he called the dive from Tazawa onto Austin Theory on the outside of the ring a ramen noodle moonsault. Now, and, and apparently, um, people on on uh, Facebook are are upset about that. Well, of course they are because it's um, you know it's Facebook and it's it's the land of bitchers and and complainers. Um, however, that that being said, um, I was a little a little bit uh, surprised by that comment myself. Um, but being that it is. Uh, Jerry Lawler, I don't expect any uh, discipline to be uh, handed down. And as a matter of fact, I'm, um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he was fed that line through the headset. And, and so you know what? Uh, next time people want to complain about any something that Jim Ross said on AEW, they should remember a lot of the stuff that comes out of Jerry Lawler's mouth. Yeah. But you know, it, it, it's so it's so funny because you know, um, as much as much as I as I like a lot of what AEW is doing from a from a, like a on screen uh, product uh, point of view, I I really the more and more I hear from their fan base, the more and more I'm just disgusted because. You know, as much as as much as I hate to admit this publicly, Leo, um, the bo- the bottom line is I qualify as a millennial, uh, being that I'm 31 years old. And I don't know about you, man, but I I mean I try not to judge people. I I I try very very hard to understand that we all have our our ways of being and our ways of viewing and surviving in life. Um, but I, I mean, in terms of just the sense of entitlement um, and everything being given to, to the millennials, I, I can't identify uh, with that mindset at all. Yep. I, um, I was never given anything. You know, and, and you know, and I think you'll be able to under, understand this a little a little bit better um, because you know you and I both have uh, cerebral palsy, so I think 
Um, I think a lot of our experiences uh, have been the same, even if they were, um, you know, a, a few a few years further apart. Um, but from from my perspective, you know, the way I'll give I'll give I'll give you the best example that I can. Right. So the way that I connected with people um, and and got them got them comfortable with with me and got them to look past the, the, the disability was I would always make inappropriate jokes and you know and, and, and make, you make inappropriate jokes no come on <laughs> no, no, so I, 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 would, I would always make them laugh and, and, and make, make what I what I always call a, a CP joke you know, or uh, and say something inappropriate, and and that um, and that was how I broke the ice and and got people comfortable. And you know, I, I've always had a, a darker, uh, more cynical sense of humor, and um, you know, I I never really had uh, a thin skin to begin with because I needed thick skin as a survival mechanism against you know what other people would say and, and try to do to me as a result of the fact that I had CP so um, but just given that the millennials are so uh, thin-skinned and just you know like I said I try to understand it I try to see where everybody's coming from even if I don't agree with their point of view um, that doesn't mean that they're bad people but you know it's just like um, you know, seeing how the millennials conduct themselves nowadays and how they want everything handed to them. Mm-hmm. When I had to bust my ass to get everything I've ever gotten in life, um, you know, I, I can't identify with that. Um, so, you know, but so I, I think that I think they are a little bit sensitive um, to, to things that people like Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross say, but, you know, and does it, does it really fit in with today's um, narrative and culture? Maybe not necessarily, but am I, am I going to call the PC police on Jerry Lawler because he <laughs> called it a ramen noodle moonsault? I don't think so. Exactly. And, and by PC, I don't mean Pierce and Canella. I mean, I mean, political correctness, which which is something that I've always been against. You know, because as you probably been able to figure out by now, I I am. Can I can I just say, fuck political correctness. Exactly, and that and that's my attitude as well. Because you know, whether 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 people like me or or they don't, you know. I, I'd much ra- I'd much rather say what I mean, and you know have them know where I'm coming from, and be a be a honest liar rather than a popular popular uh, or an honest asshole rather than a popular liar. It reminds me of CM of uh, that one quote from CM Punk. He rather I'd rather be hated for something I am than loved for something I'm not. Well, and that's exactly it. Um, so anyway, I digress. Did I get on a soapbox? Uh, 
Allow, allow me to uh, jump off. And, is, it, uh, is it tied? Detergent? Um, oh, my, oh my, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to digest one of those. Um, <laughs> that, that would be, that would be rather painful in more ways than one. Uh, let me, uh, let me just continue, uh, with the raw review. If I could, if I could actually successfully pull it up. Here, here we go. Um, next up we had, uh, Angel Garza defeating uh, Tahuti Miles from NXT. You know, ho hello and goodbye Tahuti. Good, good luck on good good luck back in NXT. Tahuti Miles, what the heck is a Tahuti Miles? Okay, <laughs> hold on. Independent spotlight segment. Okay. Tahuti Miles. He is known for. Working in NXT, WWE, and ROH. Oh, very good. Well, well. He he appeared at uh, three ROH uh, cards. Uh, the Road to G One Super Card from Day Three from 2019, Future of Honor tapings in 2018, and just a regular TV taping in 2018. Yeah, well, uh, you know, and I, and I, I would definitely want to see more of him. But they got, they have got to change that name because I don't know why they chose Tahuti, but um, it just seems a little bit strange to me. Um, but moving forward, and this one really pissed me off, and this this is this is why both Asuka and Kyrie Zane got to get the hell out of WWE because they don't deserve to get be treated like this. Two minutes and 40 seconds. Nia Jax defeated Kyrie Zane. <laughs> Jesus. What in the fuck is going on? Oh. You know, okay. Once again, we, we just had the conversation in which you so eloquently said, political correctness, right? So I'm going to say something here that's not exactly politically correct. But in what world, based on skill alone, does Nia Jax have any business defeating, defeating let alone being in the ring with Kyrie Zane? None. <laughs> what in the fuck is happening? That was terrible. Come because, on. okay, look. Look, and I, I'm, I'm going to say something else right here. Okay. okay. Now, people always bitch at Charlotte Flair because, you know, her last name's Flair. Say what you want. That woman can go in the ring. She, and, and, she, and I don't like her promos. I think they are robotic. I think that's where I, she I, is. Really, I really wish she would drop the whole woo thing at the end. She doesn't need to keep doing that. Well, yeah, but the, the thing is, I don't like her promos, right. but in, in terms of an in-ring performer, she doesn't, she would be a Hall of Famer without the Flair last name, and that's just, that's just what I, what I think. Um, but in, talk about Nia Jax and Tamina, both of them are just and we'll get into Tamina on SmackDown because I couldn't believe that either. Oh, um, okay. But the fact that Nia Jax and and Tamina are being pushed now, 
it's just ridiculous. And I think, I think, uh, you know, Nia Jax to a larger extent, because, you know, she was, she was featured much more prominently before she had the double ACL injury. Now, I know she takes a lot of heat online and people go after her for, you know, having a different body type or whatever. Now, all, all of that is complete bullshit, and I support her 100% in, in that regard. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just talking from an in-ring perspective. I think she's terrible. I don't, I, and I don't mean to be unkind, but that's just my opinion. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I don't get it. Uh, and, and to see her defeat Kyrie Zane, to me, uh, you know, it made me want to, want to, want to absolutely regurgitate into my toilet. I I just, it, it was like, wow. Um, next up we had, uh, Lashley defeating... No way, Jose. No way, Jose. No. In one minute oh, sorry, and forty-five I, seconds. Did, did I go off into my own little world there for a second? <laughs> oh, yeah, you did, but I would I wouldn't be. I I don't really blame you because nobody really cares, and and you know, unfortunately, from the human perspective, uh, no way, Jose. Also uh, joined uh, Sarah Logan on the unemployment line. As I said, you see the videos that uh, these guys uh, made following the release. I didn't see No Way Jose's, but I saw. I, I saw his. I saw um, Drake Maverick. I feel bad for her. like I um. Uh, well, Aiden, yeah. Aiden English did one. Maria Canellas and Mike Bennett did one. Well, it, but. And, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off until until late until later in the show because I want to go I want to go through all those releases and I want to I want to give my 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 opinions on it on an individual uh, basis. So no, um, I, I was just saying I, I saw I saw some of the videos that these guys put out. Yeah, and and we will definitely go over that because I saw a lot of them myself. Uh, so next up, we had uh, the Viking Raiders returning from their trip to catering uh, for what seemed like two months uh, to defeat Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. Why do they, why do they put these guys together if they're going to still keep making them lose? Because, because um, you know, they're, they're just burying these two guys. And I've I've heard from a reliable source that that Vince is done with with Ricochet. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm, and, I'm kind of done with Ricochet, though. I have to say. And and I've I've also heard that he's done with Shayna Baszler, as we've seen by her booking. And. Um, and there was there was one other one who I who I can't remember at this time. I'm sure it'll come to me before the end of the show. Is, is, is it a disguise, Cedric Alexander? Um. Well. Well. And that's another one, but it was. It's not. Oh, it's there's not, yeah, someone else. Okay. It's not the one that I that I'm thinking of. It's um, Vince, like anyone. <laughs> well, 
We'll, we'll get we'll get into Vince's business practices later on in the show. Oh, no, we, no, no, I'm just thinking out loud. Go ahead. Uh, once we start discussing all the releases, but the main event of the show, and this is, and the result didn't piss me off, but the time did. Uh, champion uh, Drew McIntyre retained retained his title. Duh against Andrade. He's not going to drop it on Raw right after he won it at WrestleMania. <laughs> right. give, me a, give me a fucking break. Give me a fucking break. Although, I will I will give I will give credit where credit is due. Um, you know, to open the show, uh, they had um, they had uh, Drew McIntyre in the ring and then and then out comes Andrade to challenge him for for the championship, and they and they go, they go through their individual histories uh, together in NXT, and how um, and how uh, Andrade uh, defeated um, Drew McIntyre for the NXT championship, injuring him in the same match and causing him six months. Of his career, so the fact that they brought that back around uh, three years after the fact to to feed into the reasoning for that for this match, I I really did enjoy that, even though I thought the match was too short. Um, so that is um, that is our review of Monday Night Raw, and uh, with that. We will uh, we will move right along into our review of 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 dynamite, and for that, I will hand the reins over to my esteemed cohort in Elio Canella. Elio, take it away. Cause I'm TNT, I'm dynamite. So here we go with our review of AEW Dynamite. All right, so in the first match, we had Lance Archer defeating Cole Cabana in 11 minutes and 20 seconds. Following that, we had Dr. Britt Baker, who I find is a much better heel, defeating Cassandra Golden in 1 minute and 10 seconds. Yeah. Following that one, we had Sammy Guevara defeating Shug D, or as Chris Jogo calls him, Pineapple Pete. And that yeah, match... What, what the hell was that about? I I wasn't getting that. Uh, yeah, so that's an inside joke with uh, the inner circle. Oh, okay. Because uh, they call him Pineapple Pete. Uh, <laughs> that match lasted 5 minutes and 50 seconds. We had Kip Sabian defeating Chuck Taylor, who still sucks. That went 10 minutes and 25 seconds. And in the final match, before the actual main event, we had Sean Spears defeating Justin Law in 2 minutes and 15 seconds. And before that, I want to... I want to... 
bring up a segment that the I, I actually enjoyed on uh, Wednesday night. This was the bubbly bunch. Would you think about this? I I love it. I was I was laughing my eyes off. See, I, I absolutely love it. See, you you ask people if uh, what they thought, they'd be like, "Well, that sucked. It was terrible." No, it wasn't terrible. It was funny. It was cool. It was hilarious. I I, I thought it was. I was like I said, I was laughing my ass off. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> All right, and that brings us to our main event. It was John Moxley retaining the championship by defeating Jake Hager in an empty arena match. And I know that this is your segment of the review, but um, before we get into your, your thoughts of the match, because uh, you said you said you didn't see this, so let me um. No, no, I, I saw the, the empty arena match. I didn't see the Sean Spears. So that's what threw me off. Oh, okay. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. So um, so go ahead. What did what did you think of uh, First the of all, main event? I, I thought this match uh, went too long. I yeah, I I 100% agree. I I actually thought this match sucked. I mean, I can I I. The idea of empty arena matches is not the same in 2020 as it was in 1999 with Mankind and The Rock, but um, it would it would have been a lot so much better if they had like some of the other guys in at ringside, even though it is an empty arena match. But it just adds energy. And well, a different, well, a different atmosphere to uh, the well, match. There, and there are two different, there are two different reasons for that. One is it is an empty arena match, so if you have people around it, for better or worse, then that defeats the purpose of an empty arena match. Okay. Uh, but but two, um, I think that also has to do with um, the tightening restrictions regarding um, regarding the outbreak. Um, that we have going on here, um, and 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 for, for me, um, one I I just I had trouble getting into the match because I'm I'm not a fan of um, of Jake Hager. Um, I I mean I've always had I've always had issues getting into. Uh, Getting into him um, overall, but especially, especially uh, in the AEW uh, incarnation of his character, um, I'm just, what is his character other than being the muscle of um, of the inner circle? So, um, for, from a, from a character perspective, I don't find I don't find him entertaining, and actually. Um, they, they, um, they aired a follow-up clip, um, after he lost the match, which, which I actually found more entertaining than the match itself, because he, um, he went home to his wife, uh, Catalina, who, uh, who we saw at ringside, uh, numerous times in, in a voyeuristic fashion. <laughs> Thanks to the creepy cameraman, um, you know he was making out with her before and after the match at uh, 
at a resolution, but uh, that that notwithstanding, so um, he um, he got kicked out of the house because he lost um, to uh, to um, John Moxley. <clears throat> John Moxley, yes. Uh, pardon me, I had uh, something stuck in my throat. I, but... I, I have a question. Um, d- did you ever? Did you ever see or did you used to watch Florida Championship Wrestling? Um, no, no, I, I never, I never really had the opportunity. That was, to... that, 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 that was uh, the one prior to NXT. Right. Um. Obviously, I had heard about it, but I never really had the opportunity to watch it outside okay. of a so few so, YouTube clips. So, of course, one of the guys that was. In FCW was Jake Hager, and he actually used that name before he before moving to the main roster. Right. Yeah, I well, I didn't know that until like I started watching FCW online a while back, and I just like noticed all these things. Yeah, well, um, and actually, um, I haven't watched it yet, but they have a um, they have a FCW special on uh, the WWE Network, which I've heard is awesome. Uh, so I definitely want to check that out. But um, you know the thing. So the the clip where um, you know he uh, Jake Hager tries to get back in his house, um, <laughs> and like his wife come, comes and his wife comes out after he uh, the the code was changed to the to the keypad to get into his house. Uh-oh. And so um, you know his his wife comes out and goes. Hi Jake, you know, come uh come come back home when you win the title. And uh you know, to me that segment was more entertaining than that match itself. You know, it's just there was something about it that I just I couldn't get into. I don't and the the, the length of the match being too long was definitely part of it. Um but I just the, I uh, get there's it. Uh, something else that bothered me was Jim Ross on commentary. Yeah, it, it it didn't really work in the, in the, in the empty uh, setting. You know, I think um, I think in in that scenario, and this is nothing against uh, Jim Ross. No, no, I'm not talking about. I'm not um, talking about like that. I'm talking about only having one person on commentary. Right, he, right. He needed help to fill up the silence, yeah. and I th- I think anybody would need help to fill up the silence. So I'm not sure why. Uh, why why they wouldn't have uh, Chris Jericho on commentary mm-hmm. uh, to help him out because uh, all the other occasions between uh, last week and this week where they had um, where they had Jericho on commentary was very beneficial to the show. Yep. So I'm not sure why they would take him off of the main event, especially especially after how. Uh, the main event was built up all evening. Um, as much as I uh, disliked the actual match and it just came off flat, um, I, I really did enjoy how they built up the um, the match itself. Because so uh, to to finish off my um, my take on the um, on the main event of uh, AEW, you, you know. The the thing for for me is, I get I get 
Hager being in the position that he's in because he's the he's the muscle behind uh, the inner circle. But uh, but for me, like the ma- the match just didn't land, and I I really like how how they built it built it up though. Um, I thought I thought the the lead up was actually pretty freaking cool because they had they had video packages where they were um they were interviewing you know wrestlers and then and then also MMA guys so it's like the the difference between the um, perspectives of wrestling versus MMA obviously the MMA guys took Hager's side and the AEW guys took Moxley's but that that was that was really well played. Also, and, also you you talk, you talk about that last segment of where Jake Hager's been kicked out of his house. Yeah. See, and uh, in this video package, they even interviewed his wife, where she said, "If he doesn't win the title, then don't come home." Uh, yeah. <laughs> so everything was was very well done in terms of playing off of that. And just the overall video packages themselves, it's just the um, the match uh, came off flat. And, and, and to a large degree, I don't think that that's a wrestler's fault. It's me personally. I just – I'm I'm not the biggest fan of, of, of Jake Hager as, as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. So I was having trouble getting emotionally invested in the match. All right, so that is our review of AEW Dynamite for this week. We are now going to move on to NXT. this week we had a total of six matches with the main event being uh, for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Now in the opening match we had Finn Balor defeating Fabian Eichner in 11 minutes and 45 seconds. The second match Zia Lee beat my hometown girl which who is always losing, has been losing ever since. Aliyah in three minutes exactly. That's how long they gave this one. I'm actually surprised that Aliyah made it past the cuts. I would have expected her to be among yeah, the cuts. Seriously, she's been like there since 2012. She made it SmackDown once and she lost to Carmella. Yeah, I, I remember that actually. Then we had Akira Tozawa defeating Isaiah Swerve Scott in 11 minutes and 40 what? seconds. Um, excuse me. Uh, what? Rewind. <laughs> rewind. What happened? What? Say that again. Akira Tozawa defeated Isaiah Swerve Scott. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, now, there's another reason that I have to go back and watch NXT because I. Uh, why are they thinking? Okay. And, and then again, okay, Tegan Knox 
defeated Raquel Gonzalez again. They gave this match three minutes exactly. Uh, well, I, I, I think on this particular occasion, I think I know why they uh, why they shortened up some of the matches. But um, but continue. Then we had Dexter Lumis defeating your good friend Tahuti Miles. Uh, <laughs> now Dexter Loomis, we already talked about this guy, didn't we? Or uh, I don't think so. Okay, Dexter Loomis, do you recognize this guy? Uh, no. Okay, he was in Impact Wrestling around 2011, 2012. So, uh, he was on. He his name was Sam, Samuel Shaw. Oh, oh, that okay. He was uh, with uh, Christy Hemi. He was involved in that storyline with Christy Hemi. Okay, yeah, the, uh, his um his tattoos look familiar, but I can. <laughs> That's him. That's him. They call him Dexter Lumis. So yeah, it's like somewhat the same character here. Yeah, okay. And in the main event, now it was supposed to be the Broserweights defending the Tag Team Championships. However, Pete Dunne is still over in England as he can cannot travel because of everything going on. So they needed a replacement and we have Matt Riddle and Timothy Thatcher. Defeating, but defeating the undisputed era, Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely want to go go back and uh, catch this episode. I've um, I've just been uh, kind of kind of wrestled out um, over this um, over this quarantine, and, um, now, and um, but I definitely want to go back and take a look. Now, Timothy Thatcher, have you seen this guy? No. Oh, okay. Go back and watch this guy because this guy is pretty good. I, prior to uh, WWE, he was in Major League Wrestling, so he's pretty good. I so I've seen a few of his matches. Okay, he's got cool. he's got he's got that old school old style to him, like the revival had. Oh, oh yeah, and and speaking of uh, speaking of the revival. Oh. Um, Apparently they've uh, they've changed their tag team name and it's it's reportedly not going to be a hashtag FTR. Thank Christ! Um, it's actually going to be the Revolt. Okay. Yeah. So, but just a just a little. I think uh, their names are terrible. Cash Wheeler, Dax Hardwood. <laughs> Dax Hardwood sounds like he belongs in a porno movie. What were they thinking? No, actually, speaking of them, I, I saw this up before we went on air. Apparently, um, that uh, they were in for a completely a completely new gimmick uh, change that Vince McMahon had came up with. He was going to turn them into clowns with new uh, with brand new uh, ring out. Okay. okay, I've heard enough. Uh, uh, and I saw the ring gear. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that's, oh that's what this, guy, this guy just needs to go. Okay. You know, I swear. I, he, I, just, he doesn't sleep. I'm talking like creatively. The man doesn't get it. And it, it, it just, 
as a businessman, he might be good behind the scenes. Um, you know, clearly he's doing something right. If, if WWE is worth more money now than it ever has, which is a fact that, um, that continues to bamboozle me uh, on a daily basis, considering how bad the product, product actually is. Um, but you know, and and we'll we'll get into we'll get into that after all the reviews are finished, because that that's actually going to be the main focus of the podcast. So just uh, just be prepared, man, because we might have to stop this recording and start another one, uh, because I think we're uh, we might be coming up on the uh, cutoff point. But um, but it's just um, it's astonishing to me that some of the decisions that can be made because if if I'm the if I'm the revolt I'm happy as a motherfucker to be out of WWE considering considering what they were doing with me beforehand and considering what the plan was because who wants to see wrestlers that talented be treated like dog shit? Just like I don't know if you uh, if you uh, recall um, that they were gonna <clears throat> the, one of the gimmicks that was proposed for Bret Hart when they uh, brought him in they were gonna bring him in as a singing cowboy. Well, thank fuck that didn't happen <laughs> <laughs> because Cowboy's known for its uh, stampede. Uh, and uh, and rodeo shows, so like, uh, well, but uh, he, like, just, be, just because uh, they have the cowboy stampede doesn't mean that everyone's a cowboy event. Well, thank God that didn't happen, but also thank God that this didn't happen to the revival because I've heard uh, from multiple uh, multiple places that not only was this gimmick gonna be absolutely terrible but i also heard that at the end of their wwe run they weren't even being paid and i've mentioned that before on the show but if that's true then vince can vince and and everybody else associated with that decision that is so fucked up and i have something to say when you do your smackdown report because i uh, uh, that brought up a question so I'll move oh, okay. into that in SmackDown. So that's our NXT review for this week. I am now going to throw it over to my co-host Ben for the Friday Night SmackDown. Ben, take it away. Okay, dokie. Let me. Uh, why the hell did I have? I click on the thing. Okay, here, here we go. Uh, SmackDown. Okay, very good. So. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this right off the bat, right? So this this website that I'm using, and I'm not gonna name names, uh, but they rated this show a six point five, and I want to have a conversation with the people who run this. I'm I'm half tempted to email the guy that uh, that wrote this review just to. How? Just to see what the hell he was thinking. Because how is this a six point five? That's my thought. Because I, you know, <laughs> I, I, damn, I damn near fell asleep during SmackDown last she- night. On Mo- Sheamus's match. Look at the time. <laughs> oh, it, oh, it's a travesty. But we'll we'll get into that because I kind of I kind of want to go 
for this particular thing, I, I know we usually do the highs and lows, but I'd like to go through the whole whole thing because yeah, I, have, yeah, I have multiple things I want to bring up here. Okay, so to start off the show, we have a moment of bliss. Kill me now. <laughs> Kill me now, please. Um, we have a moment of bliss with the special guest and the new... WWE champion. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Before, before you go on, we should uh, bring up uh, one piece of sad news that happened earlier. This that happened actually on Sunday. Yes, I know where you're going with this. With uh, the passing of Howard Finkel, who was sixty-nine, oh, yeah. sixty-nine years old. I um, yeah, that and I actually wrote on um. On Facebook, a uh, a little uh, tribute and a, a story uh, regarding that because you know uh, anyone that is that is around our our age range uh, and it has been a wrestling fan for as long as we have, you know I, I've been a wrestling fan for almost 29 years. And I'm almost 32. Um, and, you know, Howard Finkel, uh, for me, was Howard Finkel and Jim Ross were like the soundtracks of the memories of my childhood mm -hmm. uh, revolving around uh, professional wrestling. Um, you know, there, there are so many uh, different uh, memories that I have of, of of different different marquee events and and Royal Rumbles and and all those kind of things uh, with Howard Finkel um, and actually one of one of my favorites was when he uh, when he made the surprise appearance uh, to introduce uh, CM Punk at the uh, 2011 Survivor Series um, for his title defense against uh, Alberto Del Rio. And you know you could kind of hear the uh, the announcers laughing fondly at this kind of uh, thing because you could just see the emotion uh, on um, on Howard Finkel's face and like the the delivery of the of the um, of him announcing CM Punk's name was kind of halted um, just because of the emotion that he was uh, feeling at the time. But uh, from from a personal perspective, you know, uh, Howard Finkel and, and Jim Ross are two of the biggest reasons why I got into professional wrestling. And as a kid, I wanted to be either a, a ring announcer or a commentator um, because of because of those two guys. And, uh, you know, f five years ago, I had the, um, the opportunity to do that at, at, the, uh, at a show for the company that I'm, I'm associated with, where I, you know, actually announced a, a match involving the uh, Bullet Club. I was, I was the ring announcer for uh, Lugos and um, Tama Tonga versus a, a tag team known as the Wild Cards. And um, 
And that was one of the coolest memories of my life. Actually, uh, after after the match, um, the, uh, the promoter, who's actually one of my best friends, he, he came up to me and he said, you know, uh, Luke Gallows talked to me backstage and he was, he was kind of, he was kind of like playfully pissed off because he said, you stole, you stole his pop. Was, uh, you know, this was supposed to be like the, the, the big return for Luke Gallows to his hometown promotion as part of the Bully Club. And he was going to, he was going to get the standing open said, uh, they, they give it to me before I, um, when I came out to, to do all the stuff because I was going to walk to, um, to the to the ring after 12 years of not being able to walk. Um, so uh, so you know that's one of the coolest experiences of my life, and I I think I kind of have to um, give give Howard Finkel a little bit of credit for that one because um, because he's the one that maybe wants to do that along with Jim Ross. So um, you know I, I think anyone like I said anyone in our age range had his memories of Howard Finkel uh, and his iconic voice. Now, actually, uh, Howard, Howard Finkel's been, was in a couple of ridiculous, was in a couple of ridiculous storylines, but he was also in a couple of funny ones. Like the one, I remember WrestleMania 10 when he came out to the ring with, the, with that, wearing that toupee. And uh, his, his, his feud with uh, Harvey Whippleman. They had like oh, that, yeah. that tuxedo match. Like, no, I don't want to see that. No. Yeah, that, but, well, that, that match is terrible. But that was funny when they paired him with uh, Chris Jericho. And he was like, he played Jericho's like uh, sidekick, just like Ralph was. Yeah. But, it, but the, he, made, he made it work because it was funny the way he did it. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, and he, anything that Howard Finkel was involved in was gold. And he, he was, the thing about him, he was the very first employee at WWE. Absolutely. And, and, and um, um, do you know the WrestleMania story? Uh, no. About how, about how it got its name? Uh, no. Okay, so, history time. <laughs> yes, history okay. lesson. Where so, you- so. In 1963, of course, the Beatles left Liverpool. They came to the U.S., right? Okay, so that was called Beatlemania. In 1985, Vince was on vacation. He was uh, trying to think of a name for this idea he had to put on a spectacular event, like a pay-per-view, where brought wrestling and Hollywood together under one roof. So he came up with this event, but he couldn't think of a name. So he asked Howard Finkel uh, for any ideas, and Howard immediately said, well, the Beatles invading the U.S. was known as Beatlemania. Why don't we call this Wrestlemania? Ah, so another another credit to Howard Finkel that I did not know. Came over just like uh, Pat Patterson was the one who came up with the idea of the Royal Rumble. Very, very good. I, and I'm actually surprised I didn't know that. Um, but, you know, I, so I think, but I think one of, one of the coolest stories that I've heard uh, since, uh, since his passing 
um, and it really shows what kind of uh, quality human being Howard was outside of his am amazing talent and um, you know presentation on the air. Um, apparently, when uh, when Eddie Guerrero died in uh, two and two thousand five, and the, uh, his body was being uh, transported back to um, El Paso. Um, Howard Finkel went with him, and he told uh, he told Vi he told Vicky on the phone that I uh, I didn't want Eddie to be to, to be flown back home by himself, so that's why he went with him. And, um, and you know stuff stuff like that. You know, it's one it's one thing to be remembered as like an, an icon and and be and be respected for what you do for a living, um, and 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 I'm not taking anything away from from that because you know of course that's how that's how we know know him as fans, um, but I think I think when it when it when it comes out that you you really were a fantastic human being. On, on top of everything else, I think I think that that deserves to be noted as well. So I'm glad he um, I'm glad he's getting that kind of credit. And it's and these are the kind of stories that I've never heard about him. So it's kind of cool to to kind um, to get to know uh, that part of him too. So it's it's always it's always refreshing, especially when you're famous for being so good at something. That you you were actually a quality human being because so many times it's the opposite. Yeah. All right, so let's get into uh, SmackDown. Absolutely. So uh, we digress, but of course we had to because rest in as, peace, Howard. As 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 fans and as human beings, we had to uh, we had to pay our tributes to the Fink. So uh, nothing but love there. Um, so moving on to uh, uh, to SmackDown, um, let me pull it back up again. Here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you So to the the we had a moment of bliss with the new WWE champion Braun Strowman, which still makes me sick to my <laughs> stomach. Oh my um, goodness! So Alexa and and Nikki are uh, congratulating him and bringing out his history with Alexa Bliss. As Team Little Big and the Mix Match Challenge, I like that team. They were fun, though. Yeah, they. Well, I I'll give you that. They were. Um, but then the um, the segment gets interrupted when we see a present in the ring. Uh, Braun picks it up, thinking that it's from Alexa Bliss. I'm sorry. Is this is this is this all in the ring moment, Bliss, or is it on the stage? No. And, um, it's it's it the whole segment's in the ring. Okay. 
Um, and um, and so um, and so we see a uh, present in the ring, and this was of course right um, right after Alexa is is mentioning uh, the closing segment of the show last week and mentioning uh, Braun's history with Bray. So obviously, you know, he thinks the present came from Alexa. She says no, uh, and he goes and, and, and opens the gift, and it's uh, Bray's old sh- black sheep mask from his days in uh, the Wyatt family. So That did not work out. That did not work too good. No, no, it didn't. And the fact that they're, I mean, it makes sense because they have history, but to me, they could have done so many other cool uh, opponents for um, for Bray Wyatt period. I, I, I disagree with with Braun Strowman being the WWE champion. Uh, no, because no, no, I'm saying uh, he just he didn't fit into the White family. Like you, Rowan and Harper, that's one thing because they they look similar, but like he just stood out. Right, he uh, yeah, that whole thing didn't work, and and I'll tell you what, his whole reign as WWE champion is not going to work either. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, by now people know about my issues with. Braun Strowman, and I, I just think even though the storyline... Yes, my, my co-host is in, currently involved in a feud with the WWE Universal Champion. Well, he, well, he, and, and it, you know, and if, and if he ever was here, I, I'd probably, I would say the exact same thing to him. I, I, I just, I just, because, you know, for better or worse, I'm, I'm known as being a brutally honest human being. Uh, not, not, not for the purpose of hurting anybody, uh, but that's just how I am. Because I, like I said earlier, I'd rather you know where I stand, and I'd rather be an honest asshole than a popular liar. So that's just how I am. But anyway, um, in terms of the first, um, the first match to kick off the evening, we had Tamina versus Sasha Banks. Now, if you remember. Um, from last week, um, Tamina, uh, Tamina gets a uh, championship opportunity against Sasha Banks if she's able to uh, sorry, yeah, against, 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 against Bailey. I'm sorry, if she uh, defeats Sasha Banks because Bailey opened her mouth and got Sasha Banks into this situation uh, with Tamina in the first place. Um, as I'm knocking things over in, in protest. Um, so th- this match was I, I, I'm thinking this match is a foregone conclusion that Sasha Banks is going to win because I'm thinking there's no way in hell that Tamina is going to win. Um, and um, unfortunately uh, WWE uh uh, continues to disappoint me in that regard because Tamina actually beat Sasha Banks, which in and of itself is a, it's just a it's just a crime. It it, it really is. Um, I don't get it at all because Tamina is not good in the ring. She can't move. 
you know, we, I mean, we haven't seen her hardly at all in like two freaking years. And all of a sudden she's a, she's a championship challenger. Like, give me a break. And then <clears throat> to make this situation even worse, uh, Lacey Evans comes out to help, uh, Tamina, which, uh, which leads to her getting the victory. Then we have to hear Lacey Evans cut a promo. Uh-oh. And it, the pain continues. So after that, we get Sheamus versus Denzel Dejeuner, who, um, who apparently is making a living as a WWE jobber during this uh during this pandemic problem. I'm telling you, like this this guy seems to get more airtime now than he ever than uh like he's getting a lot of airtime now because he's never gotten any before this. Well, because I guess because, you know, he's one of the only jobbers that's willing to come to work during a pandemic. Yeah, he you know, no, he was the only one he was only used on uh, live event shows. Well, absolutely, that's that's what I'm saying. He's probably getting the usage because he's the, probably one of the only yeah. ones willing to come to work during a pandemic as All a right. jobber. Um, <clears throat> Fifty-five seconds. I can't believe it. <laughs> oh God. So then we are after this. We're reminded that. Um, that uh, Jeff Hardy is uh, coming back. They, uh, last week was um, was talking about his rise. This week was talking about his fall. They actually mentioned his jail time and all. Well, I, I, because I didn't catch uh, this uh, match. Did Sheamus uh, complain uh, to Michael Cole again? Uh, yes, and of course this was. This was, um, yeah, he did, and um, it was just, uh, it, so, it's just awkward. So that's where we're going now, Seamus and Jeff Hardy. I don't know, but <laughs> apparently, I hope not. Seamus versus Michael Cole. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, trust me. I, we are. We've had enough. We've had enough of Michael Cole in, in the ring. If I Michael Cole in the ring again, uh, let alone in a WrestleMania match, I think I might have a problem. <laughs> if, if I have to see Michael Cole in a singlet again, I might lose my lose my lunch dinner and tomorrow's breakfast in advance. All right, let's go. Um, let's go. What's what was next after that? But anyway, um, after that, we have the second Money in the Bank qualifying match with Dana Brooke defeating Naomi. What the hell is going on? How, is that, how does Dana Brooke get a get a spot in the Money in the Bank? I don't know. I guess wow. I, I guess because originally she was supposed to be in the six pack challenge at. Uh, WrestleMania, which became a five-way, oh, so I guess goodness. I guess she's getting her reward for coming out of quarantine. Okay. I do, I don't know. That'd be my best guess. Um, but then we get the highlight of SmackDown after this, because uh, Sonya Deville 
cut the promo of her life. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think this is the only promo I could remember uh, Sonya being involved in, but despite this, she did a fantastic job with this. So she wants to explain, explain to uh, Mandy why she why she did what she did and why she aligned herself with Donald Ziegler to, uh, to, to mess up her Valentine's date with, um, with Otis. And we get a, um, and so she wants to give that uh, explanation. So um, at first, Mandy's not coming out. She says, as, you know, Sonia says that she's been like a sister. Uh, to to her, she she came to Sonia's sister's wedding was with her. They have so much history over the last five years. Oh, please come out just so she can explain herself. So she finally does, and then we get this we get these emotional pauses as uh, Sonia is trying to collect herself to explain, and then all, all of a sudden she just she she switches her demeanor right in 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 mid sentence saying that um saying that Mandy is the most um selfish person she, uh she's ever met um she, she says that Sonia woke up and, and and um that this was never about fire and desire it was it was always about Mandy being being ahead of Sonia and and being the golden goddess and how uh, Sonia was always pushed to the side, and her um, her face was was blurted out when whenever uh, Mandy made the cover of a magazine or a magazine article or whatever. She um uh and she says that she doesn't want to be second fiddle to a Barbie doll anymore. Uh, and and anywhere Mandy goes in her career now, um. She'll ruin her because uh, Sonia knows her better than anyone, and uh, and she wants to prove that she's she's better than Mandy and better than a centerfold bitch. Once again, there's that word that WWE loves to use. Um, Dolph comes out and um, appear appears that he's trying to. Uh, to reason with uh, with Sonia, and um, Sonia uses this distraction to slap the hell out of um, out of Mandy Rose, and then uh, and then Otis comes out to rescue his peach. <laughs> uh, I would I would once again argue that Otis needs a longer shirt. But that was my only complaint about the about the promo. Okay. Um, so um, that was that was easily the best part of the show. Okay. Uh, and and continues to be the best part of SmackDown. I interestingly enough, um, the creative writer who who was responsible for this storyline. Um, was also among the releases earlier this week. So I know what are they gonna do? I don't I don't know, but um, 
But at at the, at the very least, that promo was very very good. Still miss this off loud, jeez. Um. So, oh God. Uh, I uh, oh yes. I I'm sorry. I accidentally switched my tabs. So anyway, um, after that we um we get a. Uh, we get a tribute to Howard Finkel. Uh, once again, rest in peace, Fink, an absolute icon. After that, we um, we get a uh, a recap of the Forgotten Sons' debut on SmackDown last week. I really hope that they don't get buried, but I expect them to because they were jobbers in NXT. So, of course, I, I'd expect them to be jobbers on the main roster. But anyway. We have we have uh, another Money in the Bank qualifying match. This one was a men's match between Daniel Bryan and Cesaro. And obviously, in terms of matches, this was the best match on SmackDown because anything Daniel Bryan and Cesaro touch when they actually have an opportunity to go out and perform for more than five minutes uh, turns in, into the best part of the show. Um, and then, uh, and then in the, in the main event, once again, once again, we have, we have Big E and, uh, Kofi Kingston being the, the WWE Tag Team Champions as Big E defeated The Miz and Jey Uso in another triple threat ladder match. I have a problem with this. I do too. I Vin, think it's Vince says he doesn't like tag team wrestling, yet he continuously puts the championships on the new day. Why? Well, that's that's because he refuses to push anybody else because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to put time in more than two tag teams, and I'm not, I'm not saying the new the, the new day and and the Usos aren't fantastic performers because they are. But I want to see more. I don't want to see these two teams every week. Well, the, well, well, and and that's that's my point. It just becomes oversaturation to the nth degree, which. <laughs> Which, as a result, causes me to care less about these two tag teams, which is really a disservice to them, because they really, they really are fantastic at what they do. So, um, so that ends our review of Friday Night SmackDown. So I, I suppose we'll get into uh, the bigger. Um, the bigger um, portion of, of the podcast, and we will discuss all of the news surrounding the releases and how uh, how the pandemic re- reportedly has impacted WWE's plans, and we will uh, we will jump into that um, when we return from a brief intermission. All right, stay tuned for that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and we are going to get into some really, really sad, shocking news that took place, I believe, yesterday afternoon, or 
do they um WWE releasing a whole bunch of talents. Ben, what do you have for us? Yeah, so um they uh WWE released forty people now. Forty is 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 that is that an official number? Well, over for over forty at this point because uh, more people were released since. Um, but on uh, on Wednesday they released over forty people, which I believe um, is a record because I don't th- I don't think that uh, number of people have ever been released at one time. Now um, I would like to um, to dissect that information. Uh, based on based on two different uh, trains of thought, um, one being the business um, aspect of that decision uh, in the midst of um, the pandemic, and also the the human side of that, and um, and what WWE might have done. Um, or, or I should say, how WWE's business decisions before the the uh, the outbreak took hold uh, that I that I believe played into um, what happened on Wednesday and why so many people have lost their jobs. Now, the the business side of it. If, if you look at it strictly from from that perspective and, and you don't bring any any emotion into it it makes perfect sense uh, given given the environment of what's going on now because you know every, every single uh, business and every single industry is being uh, just devastated by, um, by the CV pandemic, um, which is just uh, destroying the economy uh, at this point in time. So, obviously, professional wrestling uh, would not be able to 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 avoid the effects of this. So, from just in, just in terms of uh, survival, uh, from a business perspective, uh, this makes perfect sense. Uh, that this would happen now. Um, from from a personal uh, perspective, uh, you know, you you just you you feel absolutely terrible for um, for the talent losing their jobs in uh, in light of everything that's going on right now, because who knows when uh, professional wrestling is going to be able to return uh, to the to the degree that we're used to seeing it on a weekly basis in in front of in front of crowds, you know, like on uh, on the indie scene and in in the WWE. Um, I don't think we're going to be seeing crowds for quite a long time, if uh, if any estimations regarding how long this pandemic is going to last hold true. Um, now, now here, here, here's the thing from, from my perspective, you, you, like I, like I said, from, 
from a personal perspective, it's terrible. Of course, you don't want to see anybody lose their jobs. You know, and you, you you hate to see you know Drake Maverick cry uh, about losing his dream job. That was sad. You know, you, you don't you don't want to see anybody suffering um, on that level. Now, now this is this is where I would have to call. Um, call out WWE for uh, their handling of this scenario because I think had had they conducted business properly before um, the um, the pandemic hit uh, they would not have had to uh, release so many people um, as a result of, of, of this pandemic issue. Um, I, I don't blame, I don't blame them for the decisions that they made in light of, of the pandemic, because any business would have to make those tough decisions, uh, in the after effects of this. Um, but, um, but I also think that this is a product of of several several different uh, several different things. Uh, one being 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 the fact that you know for for as long as um, AEW has been around, WWE has been offering. Uh, astronomical contracts um, to to, uh, to lower level talent and um, talent all the way up to food chain um, just so that they uh, won't go to uh, AEW and, and other places. So they are, I mean, they're handing out $700,000 to a million dollar contracts as if, it, as if it's candy. As if, as if, as if the the money flows like water um, through the WWE pipeline. So obviously, when obviously when you're when you're hoarding money and you're hoarding talent like that, and then you have something like this happen, even though nobody could predict it, um, you know, this this kind of thing. Is, is bound to happen. Now, the other thing, I'm, I'm not sure. I, w- I, I, I would, uh, I would uh, stop trying to copyright everything for, for a while now. Well, yeah, I, 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 I would stop, I would stop spending money as if it's going out of style. I mean, good Lord. Um, you know, as, a, as I mentioned before, um, WWE is worth more now than it ever has been. Uh, but it won't. It won't be for long if they continue to spend money the, the way that they have been. So that's that's one perspective. The handling of of talent contracts is just absolutely ridiculous, um, and it has been for se- uh, for quite a while now. Uh, the and the other the other aspect of this, Elio, and I, and I really want to get your perspective on this because I, I found this interesting. Now, r- reportedly, on the very same day that 
um, the state of Florida decreed uh, WWE to be an essential business was the same day that Linda McMahon and uh, a Trump super PAC, which which is headed up by Linda McMahon, $18.5 million was given to the state of Florida on the same day that they were declared as, as an, an essential business. Now, wow. I don't know about you, but that seems like a hell of a coincidence to the point where it's not a coincidence oh. to me. What? Um, so cl- That's clearly, crazy. So clearly there's some there's some under the table business going on there. Can you can you see bribe? Uh well yeah, that's that and that, that was my that was my Oops, I already did. Yeah, that was that was gonna that was gonna be my line next. So I'm, oh, I'm glad I'm glad that you that you said that before I wow. did because that that's that's another factor. That's ridiculous. And also, also keep in mind that R- WrestleMania thirty-eight, thirty-seven. No, thirty. No. I oh, thirty-eight. To, oh. I meant to say thirty-eight. Now, keep in mind, WrestleMania thirty-eight is is being reported to be already be in the back pocket of Florida. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I heard. I heard about WrestleMania thirty-eight. Just to, like, just like when I when I when I think of like WrestleMania three, I'm like, well, what are people talking about? We haven't even gotten to thirty seven yet. Well, no, because apparently, because of the fact that that uh, WrestleMania thirty six turned out the way it did, and had to be moved out of Tampa, apparently, Florida is yeah, yeah. getting R- WrestleMania yeah, back. Yeah, I, I heard about this. Yes, for WrestleMania thirty eight. Now. So th- those are those are two those are two major factors um, for for WWE being considered an essential business. No, I, I have to say something. So WWE did this right, like what everything you just said. Yeah. Well, you have AEW on the other side that has that's been still been putting on shows, but like they've done everything right. They haven't like. Uh, um, done any like shady things to try and get um, approved as, as being essential? Well, and, and the very the very idea that wrestling is essential is complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Um, because as as big of a fan of professional wrestling as we both are. I think we can both agree that WWE is not essential by any stretch of the fucking imagination. It's not even fun to watch anymore. I'm like, okay, you know what? sometimes I don't even watch SmackDown or Raw or anything because I just can't do it. Well, and, and that's that, and that's why I do it because someone has to be responsible and be able to put on a, a podcast every week. So you're welcome. <laughs> uh, no, I mean I do watch it, but I'm just saying, like you know what I'm saying. Like sometimes it's no, like I know, I know, I'm teasing you. Yeah, but I, I'm, I get it. I'm, I'm just saying though, it's like some weeks I don't even want to watch it. Like it's just not fun to watch without a crowd. Oh, absolutely, and you know, 
um, after hearing a lot of a lot of this and just the the business decisions and you know how um, and how he keep how Vince keeps changing his mind over over going live or taped or something. So like like I said earlier, another factor is the TV contracts. Um, with uh, NBC Universal and um, and you and and U USA and Fox, um, you know, so that, that's another reason why Vince has hesitated to uh, to halt production now. But the other the other bullshit thing that I heard uh, in conjunction with this eighteen point five million dollar bribe, because you know I don't I don't know what else you can call it other than it being a bribe. I, that's not a, that's not a straight up business decision. That's, no, no. that's just that's as shady as you could possibly get. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing is uh, a memo was sent out to um, to the employees giving giving them uh, paperwork to present to law enforcement if they were stopped in the middle of the pandemic and apparently the apparently wwe talent uh has has now been been labeled essential workers now now here's here's the other thing right so we all we all know that that's bullshit okay we've been over that wwe and their workers are not essential what's essential is their health and well-being um, which which is not being which is not being put on the forefront um, if they're being forced to work in this environment. No matter no matter what precautions WWE is taking to protect them, that's just. I, my I, so I also uh, had another thought though. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, these guys are essential in Florida. Money, yeah. in the, money in the bank. They moved. They moved it to Stanford, Connecticut. That's not Florida. Well, I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess, I guess WWE can get around it because they own the building in Florida, so they can do whatever they oh want. Oh my but, god! But I, I mean, but the the other the the other factor that you have to uh, keep in mind is this. Um, so in, in conjunction with, with everything else and, and talent reportedly being forced to work and, and all of this other stuff, if it's, it's already been reported that somebody on the, on the, um, broadcast team was diagnosed with coronavirus. If if a wrestler or or one of the staff members god forbid dies you know all of these all of these shady business decisions uh cease to cease to matter and because you're putting people at risk which is why which is why i say that, that it doesn't really matter what precautions you're taking if you're putting, if you're putting people uh, in this position, 
Now, I understand that WWE needs to continue to exist, um, but I um, I don't agree at all with a lot of uh, the business decisions uh, that they're making to to make that happen. Uh, and, and but the, the the statement that they released uh, in 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 announcing that they were deemed an essential business, it was absolutely sickening. And I don't know if you remember this, but I read part of it on a previous uh, podcast that we did, which which in which I don't have it in front of me, but. The gist of it was that WWE um, is is putting smiles on people's faces, and they are part of. And this was and this was the line that made me puke all over the place. Oh, okay. They said WWE is part of the fabric of society. <laughs> what? <laughs> what in the blue hell are you talking about? <laughs> you stupid motherfuckers. <laughs> the fabric of society. So if you close down the WWE, that means that we're getting rid of the fabric of society? Well, yeah. And, and meanwhile, meanwhile, every other major business, every other sports league has been shut down, and yet WWE considers itself above that. I'm sorry. And, 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 uh, and, and again, I say, who owns the XFL? Well, it's... Um, okay. It, it, it's Vince. And, but not only is it Vince, because remember, remember now, that's, that's the other thing. I'm glad you mentioned the XFL because that was the next part I'm getting into. Um, you know, the because Vince McMahon had had always said that that um, WWE was not part of the ownership of the XFL. Well, it is because 23 point something percent of the XFL was owned by WWE and um, you know and so the XFL having to file for bankruptcy um, clear, clearly would impact the bottom line for um, for WWE um, so th- there, there's, there's a lot left that's going to come out of this uh, but you know, I think, I think re- regardless of, of where you lie, and like I said, I'm trying to be fair with the representation of both um, schools of thought regarding this, because you know, from, like I said, from a business perspective, I think they have to do what they have to do uh, to survive but I don't think that they have to conduct themselves like this. You know, because if, if you think about it, right, they have the largest library of professional wrestling content yep. on planet Earth 
Not just that, they have WCW, they have WCCW, AWA, I, I believe, I don't know if they have Mid-Atlantic yeah, or not. But it's just, like, you don't, ha- you don't have to run live television. Right. And, and, Look at all and the content people, you have. And put people at risk during this time. Now, now, as I've mentioned two or three separate times, I want to I want to say again that one of the major concerns was contracts. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm sure NBC Universal, USA, and Fox, regardless of whether they liked your decision or not, they would understand it because we're in the midst of a pandemic. These are unparalleled uh, decisions, and I think the reason why this keeps going back and forth on it was because he's trying to minimize the damage to his um, to his reputation. Well, if that, if that was the case, why wouldn't you make the proper decisions uh, to begin with? Because to me, human life is so much more important than professional wrestling. And it's what, and what, whether, you know, whether he means to or not, he's making himself look like the biggest asshole on God's green earth. I'm not, I'm not saying that's true I'm, or whatever, but I'm, just, but I'm just saying there are so many different rabbit holes uh, in, involved in this. And if one, if one person gets coronavirus, uh, that's well known and, and gets really sick and God forbid dies, we're gonna have an issue. And the other the other the other part of that is is that it, it was it was recently reported that there's a decree not to mention Roman Reigns name on television. Um oh boy. because he's not he's now off television and there there's no there's no word on when he's coming back because not only does he have newborn twins, but, obvi- but obviously we know that he's immune compromised due to his leukemia. So why, why did he even have to pull himself out of WrestleMania to begin with? Why, why wasn't he pulled out weeks and weeks ago if, the, if they already knew that the coronavirus was a concern? So there, there's just there's all kinds of different um, different things going on here, and uh, you, you know on on one hand it's like you know you sympathize with them as, from from a business perspective, but from a pers- from a personal perspective it's just like what the fuck are you doing to these people, and then as a as a result of your business decisions and wanting to um, maintain your monopolization over the professional wrestling industry um, by handing out these gargantuan contracts to lock people up so that they can't go anywhere. Uh, Most notably AEW, you know, it's just monopolization doesn't work in any society. Eventually it's going to fall. Because monopolization is just another word for 
for dictatorship, whether you're talking about business or government or whatever. When, when one entity has too much power, eventually it's, it's going to fall. And I think, I think now sadly it had to reveal itself in the midst of a pandemic. And some of these decisions were unavoidable on WWE's part. I'm not, I'm not going to completely vilify them, but I'm just saying you, you have to, you had to take in all aspects of their business practices. And I don't, I don't think that, that these firings are, are entirely to blame on coronavirus, even though that could, that's easily pointed to as the main cause. But I think, I think there's a lot more to be said behind the veil that's going to reveal itself as time goes along. Yeah. All right. So, wow. I don't know. WBE's just some of the stuff they're doing. So, um, that's uh, that was uh, the big focus of this week's show, and we're now gonna get into our review. We were going to do WrestleMania twenty one. <laughs> Right, and we will just take a short break, and we will be right back with WrestleMania 21. Absolutely. Into this review. All right, Cool. Yep. We are back, and we are going to get into the fun part after a heavy segment. Yeah. That, before that before this break. That might have been the heaviest segment in the history of this podcast. You know, we had to. But we had to do it to be to be fair. So yeah. So uh, now we're gonna switch over to our review of WrestleMania 21. WrestleMania 21 goes Hollywood. This took place on April 3rd, 2005. Ben, where'd you think of this pay per view? You said you watched it the other day. Um. Over overall, I overall I thought it was very very. I um. You know, I I've always been a, a fan of um, Rey Mysterio and Andy Groves. Those are two of my all-time favorite wrestlers. So that that match was was great, and obviously it kicked off um, an angle that I'm that I'm very fond of, which uh, culminated at the SummerSlam 2005 with the ladder match for the uh, custody of Don of Dominic. Um, so the I uh, but the the match in and of itself that took place at WrestleMania was I thought was great. Um, the and the um and the ladder match uh, for talking about the Money in the Bank ladder match, which is why uh, we chose to review this pay per view because it was the first ever Money in the Bank ladder match, and we have the uh, and we have the next. Money in the Bank pay-per-view coming up in a few weeks. Uh, so that's why we decided to do this one. 
Um, now, uh, this uh, this uh, PB that was one dark match prior to the show, it was Booker T winning a 30-man battle royal. And of course, we had like Akio, Billy Kidman, Charlie Haas, Chris Masters, the Basham Brothers, Funaki, Snitsky, Hardcore Holly was in there. Heidenreich in the Hurricane Luther Reigns, not Roman Reigns. Luther Reigns, oh my god. <laughs> uh, Mark Jindrak was in there. Um, Mark Jindrak could have had a much better career. Maven, Nunzio, Orlando Jordan, Paul London, Rhino, Rob Conway, Rosie, Scotty Tuvati, Simon Dean, Spike Dudley, Sylvain Granier, Tajiri, Tyson Tomko, Val Venus, Viscera, and William Regal. Oh, so Booker T was the biggest star in that match. He won the match. He threw out 29 other guys. Uh, well, he, he, I'm sure he didn't throw out 29 people, but he... Uh, no, well, he, he did his uh, part in there to win, to end up winning. Right, and he uh, he eliminated Chris Masters, if I remember uh, correctly. Okay. All right, so the first match where you brought it up a few minutes ago, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, so the um, the storyline heading into heading into this match was that um, Rey Mysterio had Eddie Guerrero's number um, uh, previously, and um, Eddie was getting increasingly pissed off that um, he couldn't uh, he couldn't beat Ray. And if you remember correctly, they were um, they were actually tag team champions uh, going into this match. They were co-holders of the SmackDown tag team titles. Um, you know, any match that these that these two are involved in. You know, I'm going to be a fan of um, because, um, because like the Lucha Libre style is my favorite style of, of wrestling. And obviously, these two are like two of the pioneers of it. And, um, you know, but I really, I really enjoy, I really enjoyed this match because, you know, Eddie Guerrero had the um, had the upper hand for quite a while, and um, if you remember, uh, Rey Mysterio pretty much uh, snuck out the back door to win that match. Yes, uh, yes, and now um, you said this led to their match in SummerSlam, so I believe there was a SmackDown in between that time that took place from Toronto, Ontario. M- might have been. I. Uh... Because I, I believe on this SmackDown, uh, they had uh, Eddie Guerrero sitting at the top of the ladder cutting a promo on Mysterio. Oh, okay, well, I, I do remember that moment, but I'm not sure if it was... That, yeah, that was in Toronto because I was actually at, at that SmackDown. Uh, okay, well, that, it, it would make sense. Right, then, then we had... The very first six man money in the bank ladder match, which was uh, Chris Jericho's idea. He came up with this match concept. Um, and this match was crazy. You know, the, the only thing I kept thinking um, during this match 
is why in the hell wasn't Shelton Benjamin a bigger star than he turned out to be? These were this were these were six uh, of the most interesting uh, choices to put in this ladder match uh, at that at that time. I mean, you had Chris, you had uh, he who will not be named, Chris Jericho, Christian Kane, and Shelton Benjamin and Edge. Yeah, and of course, and of course, Edge would go on to win. But to me, um, this match was fascinating because. You know, just just the interplay between between the uh, between the participants, and um, it's it's really hard to ex- explain and, and do this match justice by describing it on the podcast. Right. Um, but th- this is just one of those, those things you have to go back and watch. But to me, uh, this was a cl- this was a classic way to kick off the Money in the Bank concept. And then the Undertaker's uh, streak uh, continues as he def- as he uh, goes on to defeat Randy Orton at the Russell at this WrestleMania. You know, and this was this was actually one of my favorite um, one of my favorite uh, matches of the streak because the um, the promos and 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 the work leading up to this was awesome. You know. Um, Jake the Snake Roberts was even involved in the uh, in the build up for this because he appeared on um, on a uh, on an edition of the highlight reel hosted by uh, Chris Jericho to warn Randy Orton what he was getting involved with, and um, of course um, Cowboy Bob Orton was involved in in the lead up and. No. <laughs> yeah. Randy, Randy Orton tried to kill um, the uh, the Undertaker by uh, by uh, backing a uh, a hearse into the um, into the SmackDown set with. No, uh, no, 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 I have a question. If you were going to try and kill the Undertaker, why would you use an automobile that is uh, that's designed for the Undertaker character? <laughs> Well, and, and well, once again, once again, that's a question you'd have to ask uh, Cowboy Bob and um, and and Randy. But that's a that's a good uh, that's a good question. Did, did the trivia? I'm sorry. Did the trivia? Bob Orton was not wrestling at WrestleMania 21, but he was involved in WrestleMania 21 and in WrestleMania one. Yes, I, I did know that, and um, yeah, no, I'm just uh, like, wow. Yeah, that's that, that's pretty cool. Um, and um, you know, just the the entire the entire lead up uh to to, to that match was I think one of the one of the better ones. Yep. Uh, of of Undertaker streak. Then we had the women's championship, Trish Stratus defeating Christy Hemme to retain the championship. You know, um, at, at this time frame, I just, outside of Lita, I just wasn't in, interested in women's wrestling. Um, you know, Lita was always the one to capture my attention uh, with athleticism and, and beauty, quite frankly. Okay. Um, but um, you know, despite the fact that I was a that I was a teenager, 
um, at, at, at this point in time. Even, even, even then, I was like, the way that they're using the women is stupid. Like, how many, how many times can I be invested in, in HLA and bikini contests and all, like, you know, so I'm glad. This, this, this is why I would have sucked if I had to cover Raw and SmackDown in the Attitude Era. Why, why is that? Because how are you supposed to, uh, just, how are you supposed to cover those types of matches? Well, but let me ask you something. Did you, I mean, did you enjoy that kind of stuff in the Attitude Era? I mean, did oh, you were... No, I didn't enjoy uh, a lot of stuff in the Attitude Era. I just, uh, I wanted to see wrestling. That's what I, and uh, what that was, was just like, even in the Dark Side of the Ring, uh, Brawl for All, uh, the episode. Yeah. Uh, Vince Russo even said, during that era, during that uh, time period, they actually had the Jerry Springer show on in the background while they were writing this stuff. Yeah, well, that that explains a lot. And um, if, if you're, uh, if you ask me, Vince Russo didn't do himself any favors in that episode because both he and uh, Jim Cornette and their well-known rivalry made them, made them both look like idiots. Yep. But we will, um, we will get that into that one on another episode of the PNC because I definitely want to get into a lot of these Dark Side of the Rings. These are like yeah. some really cool episodes I've been watching. Absolutely. And uh, the next week's episode is one that I'm uh, very, very excited for. Uh, the story of Dino Bravo. Yes, actually... and I, I was reading this. Uh, I, I was reading the description on IMDb. Yeah, so I yeah, he was like a mob enforcer, so that's where his whole uh, his whole uh, death came into play. Really, well, and, and his his uncle or his uncle in law was was like a mafia leader. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, he was the enforcer, and uh, Bravo was the enforcer. Right. So. Um... That's going to be very interesting to cover. Ah, oh, can't wait to watch that. Uh, I'm wondering if we should start uh, our PNC with uh, that episode and then uh, move, move backwards. Absolutely. I agree, I agree with that entirely. All right, cool. Um, so getting back to WrestleMania 21, the next match we had was Kurt Angle and, and Shawn Michaels. You know, anytime, anytime you get these two in the ring, you know it's going to be a classic. Yep. Um, I was, I was, um, so I, I love that match. I don't have anything negative to say about that one, but I do have, uh, I do have negative things to say about Akabono and the Big yeah, Show. Yeah, you know what? I don't want to see the Big Show in a, in a freaking whatever the hell that one was wearing. Some things cannot be unseen. <laughs> yes, and, um, seriously, I didn't. I didn't think it could get any worse. But then, then of course, we had to see the entire uh, full. We had to see Big Show's full moon in 2006 at SummerSlam. <laughs> oh my! So, uh, I wasn't interested in that, and um, I'm sure Vince McMahon wasn't interested in getting his head shoved up. Vince McMahon or. In, in uh, getting his head shoved up Big Show's bare asshole. 
This this was painful to watch. <laughs> I can't believe we 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 witnessing a sumo match at WrestleMania. What? Well, mercifully, it only lasted a minute and two seconds. Thank but... God. <laughs> um. Next up, we had John Cena defeating um JBL. Mm-hmm. Uh, this match was pretty much. <laughs> The birth of of John Cena as we know him today. That was pretty cool. And oh, then, so um, before this WrestleMania, he was the Doctor of Economics thing, right? Uh yeah, because remember at WrestleMania at WrestleMania twenty the previous okay. year, yeah, he defeated uh, the Big Show to win the mm-hmm. um, U.S. title. So this. This was yeah. really, this was this was John's first um, first uh, like WWE championship victory. Okay. So it really kind of launched into a different stratosphere. And then in the main event, we had Batista defeating Triple H. Um, I loved the the build up to this match. Yes, Batista, um, we having won the Royal Rumble, I believe, um, and then he had to make a decision of uh, which championship he was going to go after. And when he when he gave Triple H thumbs up, thumbs down, did he pump through the table? Yeah, that was awesome. And just uh, you know, Ric Flair's slow reaction and realization of what yeah. was going on. So yeah, yeah. hilarious. Um. So, uh, overall, what would you what would you rank this WrestleMania um, out of ten? This one was a pretty good WrestleMania. I'm gonna give this a seven out of ten. This. I would, yeah, I would I would give it like a seven point five. Yeah, yeah. This was a fun WrestleMania. This was it. Was, this was like a fun period in the in a WWE. Right. Exactly. And then shortly after this, it all started to go to shit. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Although I did like the the X reunion in two thousand six. Like I I I seriously yeah, I as soon as uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H uh, brought the X back on that the show SmackDown, I literally jumped out of my chair when the X reunited. Yes, that was that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, that was um, that was one of my favorite Raws when uh, when the um, when the axle of the limousine got torn off. What was that? When the axle of the limousine oh, got torn yeah. off. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, the, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was... So, that's our review of WrestleMania 21. Ben, what do you say we bring the show to a close for the week? Absolutely. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, that has been our show for this week. Ben, what do we have for next week? Let the, let the fans know what we have. Um, well, we will we will be reviewing uh, Dino Bravo's Dark Side of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Um, we will also um, we will also be doing our best to review to review the weekly uh, television shows. As hard as that is, with the no crowds and very little effort being put into the shows, in my opinion. Okay. Um, and then, um, and then I'm sure that Elio and I will find 
uh, reason to get into one debate or another. And then uh, if, if we have any surprises for you on the next episode, uh, stay tuned for those because we always come up with something cool for you. Um, and always remember, where WWE fails to entertain you, uh, the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast always picks up the ball and, uh, and delivers entertainment in the highest form. So with that being said, uh, I hope you all are surviving this quarantine okay and uh, continue to stay safe and healthy. And uh, us here at the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast, we'll see you next week. From, from my co-host, Elio Canella, I am the man that's always piercing barriers, Ben Pierce, and we will see you next week. All right, so we'll talk to you then.